This is An American Workplace, a podcast dedicated to rewatching and discussing NBC's beloved mockumentary series, The Office. My name is Chad Hopkins, and joining me, as always, is my good friend and co-host, Katie White. Katie, how are you doing? I'm pretty, pretty good, Chad. How are you? I'm all right at the moment. Uh, we're starting off with laughter before we hit record, which is good, uh, but I, I have a feeling that there will be possibly some tears shed this episode because we got some some big stuff to talk about. Yes. Yeah. Big stuff. Yeah. Like a garage sale. <laughs> yeah, it's such a <laughs> small name. It's such like I always forget that this episode is this episode until mm-hmm. I sit down and watch it I'm like, "Oh, right. Okay." It doesn't sound it's... like a lot happens, but it, a lot does. Yeah, I think it's purposely purposefully innocuous. Mhm. Well, not a whole lot to introduce for this episode, or for this American Workplace podcast episode. <laughs> um, <laughs> not a whole lot's going on, pretty quiet for us, so I guess we could just dive right in. Okay, here it is. This is Garage Sale. It aired on March 24th of 2011, was directed by our Steve Carell, and written by John Vitti. Dunder Mifflin is holding a garage sale to get rid of all their excess stuff. During the day, Holly makes an important decision regarding her father, which leads Michael to decide to propose to Holly. He and Pam spend the day deciding how to ask the question. After a beautiful proposal, Michael makes a shocking announcement about his and Holly's future. So he and Holly have sort of manned their garage sale stand together, and Michael is selling things or potentially selling things that belong more in a bachelor pad setting. Uh, He says... Or Holly suggests to him, hey, you don't have to sell this stuff on my behalf. Like the the neon beer made sign from a dinner party that we saw that caused such vitriol between <laughs> Jan and Michael. Uh, she says, we can put it in storage just in case things change. Michael says, what's this just in case nonsense? Do you have a just in case? I don't have a just in case. <laughs> and she says, I don't either. And so that's the first time for them together acknowledging Maybe this is bigger than, bigger than, I don't even know, not bigger than anything. It's just bigger. It's, yeah. it's something that we want to prolong, something that we want to pursue for longer than just this moment that we have right now here together. And so they smile, they enjoy the moment. And then we cut to a talking head with Michael where he is calling Holly's dad for approval to propose. And it is so, it's so big. It's a big deal. It's awesome. I uh, I put Michael is selling the St. Pauli girl sign. Is that symbolism or what? Because one of the last <laughs> times we saw the St. Pauli girl sign was, like you said, at dinner party. And it was the reverse. He wanted to hold on to it. That was his, it was kind of a symbol of his claim on his bachelorhood, you know, his, mm-hmm. his singleness. Um, and now he is the one that wants to get rid of it. Holly's like, it's okay. You can hold on to it or we can put it in storage or whatever you want. And he's the one that's pushing, you know what? No, this is a bachelor pad item. And then, yes, as you said, he called Holly's dad, leaving a message asking for his blessing, which, okay, maybe, (laughs) maybe wait to talk to him uh, on the phone in person. But Holly finds out that Michael called her dad and we hear her on the phone with her parents and we get a peek into what home life is like, what her parents are like. They're elderly and they're very confused. They clearly, definitely her dad, maybe her mom as well, has possibly dementia, Alzheimer's, memory is very poor. Um, Holly's dad is barely even able to hold a conversation and he doesn't realize that Holly lives in Pennsylvania. 
not Colorado, where they are. So she's feeling this obligation um, to maybe take care of her parents a bit as they are declining. It's it's sad that her parents are going through whatever they're going through. I mean, this is our first hint of what Holly's life outside of Michael or outside of AJ. And she approaches Phyllis about it uh, because apparently Phyllis recently put her mother in a nursing home. And Holly says, how do you know if it's time? Phyllis says, you never really know. But if you wait until they admit that they can't take care of themselves, it'll never happen. And so Holly, in the midst of this uh, revelation she and Michael have had about their relationship, is trying to figure out, well, what do I need to do that's best for my parents? What's, and maybe even beyond that, what's best for me in regards to my parents? She, she's considering that maybe I should go home, maybe I should help them move into a home. And she decides, okay, I need to go home and spend time with my dad while he's still my dad, she says. And uh, she approaches Michael. And Michael, we've seen earlier, sort of planning a disaster of a proposal in the parking lot. Uh, but we, we know that he is like ready to spring the question on Holly anytime. But she approaches Michael and says, listen, this is what's happening with my dad. I still want to spend time with him while he's my dad and not wait until he's lost any sense of who he is or who I am or who anybody is. And not until he's on his deathbed either. And he says, what's wrong? That's great. I, I, I feel for you. I'm supportive of you. You need to do what you need to do. But then she further extends that and says, I want you to come with me. I want you to move with me to Colorado. And she says, you know, I know that's a lot to ask of a boyfriend. And then she starts to propose. And Michael cuts her off. Nope, nope, nope. Shut it. <laughs> and walks away. And she is perplexed, to say the least. She, she did not expect this sort of reaction. She thought this was what Michael wanted. And it is. But... This is not the way Michael wants it to go down in the break room of the office. And it's funny because you often see, well, historically, it's the man that proposes. And so you, you'll often hear women say like, oh, I'm not going to be proposed to like this. It needs to be this way. And so we get a talking head with Michael, which is comical because it's backwards from the standard or whatever. He says, no, mm -hmm. no, no, I'm not going to be pr proposed to in the break room. That's not going to be our story. And it's just this funny reversal but it must have hurt holly's feelings because she doesn't know what he's planning what he's thinking and so the fact that they were both going to propose on the same day is is really cool um but they had that same again that joint mind that we saw in the search when when michael went on his little walkabout around scranton i i mentioned the disaster proposal that michael was planning at first uh Pam comes across him pouring gasoline everywhere in the parking lot. He was planning to write a message in the flames. In he fire. said, I'm writing a letter in, in fire. <laughs> is, is it a good message or a bad message? <laughs> She's, uh, yeah, she luckily sees him in time before the, the, the match is struck because mm -hmm. surely he, the cars, everything would go down in flames and <laughs> she has the sense to, to stop him. He did at least have the common sense to not light the match himself. He says, I've got gasoline yeah. on my hands and on my shoes. So, I mean, he would have gone up in flames either way, but at least he wasn't going to be the one to throw the match, <laughs> I guess. Uh, and I mean, th there was no sense of message in what he was doing anyways. It was just puddles of gasoline all over the floor or all right. over the ground. Uh, but then the, the quest for the perfect proposal commences. And, uh, you know, just a quick aside, Pam 
is the one who sort of started this whole garage sale thing because 10% of the money raised at the garage sale is going towards uh, planning parties because the party planning committee, since she's the office manager, has been disbanded. But with this now happening and Michael's planning this big thing, Pam starts a new PPC, the Proposal Planning Committee. Da, da, da. I thought it was really <laughs> clever. Uh, <laughs> um, and it consists of herself, Jim, Oscar, and Ryan. And part of me wants to roll my eyes at Ryan's inclusion, but I also kind of love it because Pam and Ryan had a little bit of a friendship going on back in season five with the Michael Scott Paper Company. And plus, we know how important Ryan is to Michael and how important that relationship is. Uh, so it makes perfect sense for Pam to try and include Ryan in on this whole planning process to get Michael kickstarted on the rest of his life safely. Yeah. And with the, the formation of this new PPC, Pam doesn't tell Michael what's going on. She just pulls him into the conference room and they're there waiting for him. First, she says that he called the meeting. He very clearly knows he did not, but he sort of plays along and, oh, I don't know, maybe I forgot that I planned a meeting. And so he shows up and they say, well, this is about the proposal. This is about you and Holly. And he thinks at first that they're gathered to try and talk him out of the proposing, but they all agree that Holly is perfect for him, that she's the one. Remember Michael had that quote? He said, or at least a the one. <laughs> no, this is the one. This is the one for you. And so they start trying to help him talk out this this proposal thing. Uh, Oscar suggests the classic take her to dinner, drop to one knee proposal. We all know that's too dull for Michael. So it's more about finding a safe proposal that is also very Michael. He says, I want this to be an event that everyone talks about always and forever. And he mentions several, several bad ideas before showing off the ring, which causes Pam to say, holy, is that real? Uh, he says, three-year salary, right? That's what they say. No, no, that's not what they say. That is a lot of money. That is one of my favorite jokes of season <laughs> seven, I think. I just love it so much. And yeah, three-year salary would be a ridiculous ring. <laughs> Ridiculous. Yeah, it, it, it is a ridiculous ring. <laughs> it is. It's, uh. it's huge. And Pam exclaims and he says, wait, is she not going to like this? She says, no, no, no. She's going to love it. It's great. That's a bit much, but it's great. <laughs> so after this, Michael goes down to the warehouse where Holly is manning their garage sale booth. And before he can really say anything, she apologizes and tells him that it wasn't fair to put him in that position of proposing to him on the spot. She says that he is her life now and that she's not going to be going to Colorado, which is massive. I mean, the fact that she feels this draw to go help her parents out and take care of them, but she chooses to stay and not put her relationship at risk or mm -hmm. just put it on hold or anything like that. She chooses to stay in Scranton, but Michael doesn't really follow along with that yet. He doesn't say yes or no. He says, let's go take a walk. He asks her to follow him. They go upstairs to the office, and he starts to give her a tour of the office from the standpoint of their relationship. So it's this whole long tour of, of the office building. The lobby, he says, is one of his favorite places in the world because it's where Toby announced that he's going to Costa Rica. <laughs> it was the best until she came to replace him. That, that day was the best. The stairwell is where they had their first kiss. He takes two more steps, 
And then this is where we made love for the first time. <laughs> Remember what I tried there? <laughs> She's like, Michael. Uh, the stairwell, yeah. And then through his office blinds, he says, is where he first saw Holly when she walked through the door. At his desk is where he called her to tell her that he had herpes and that he was still in love with her. And where Holly said that it was over and that she didn't love him. He says, thank goodness that wasn't true. And also the herpes. <laughs> <laughs> the conference room is where they ran their first conference room meeting, obesity awareness. He said they saved a lot of lives that day. I hope so. I hope that's true. The water cooler is where he says, well, nothing really, except that he'd stare at her through the window, which is if he wasn't so in love, it would be creepy, but it's not. <laughs> and then here is the big reveal. Do you want to take it from here? They enter the kitchen and the entire office is waiting with lit candles. And he says, this is where our love faces its toughest test and smooth sailing for the rest of their lives afterwards. And so several take turns proposing to her, Stanley, Jim, Ryan, and she says no to each of them. Yes, of course. And then they reach the annex. And he says, this is where I fell in love with you. And this is where I ask you to be my wife. And there are candles everywhere. And it is beautiful. Holly is awestruck. And right as Michael starts a prepared speech, the candles trigger the sprinkler system. <laughs> it, it couldn't be absolutely perfect, could it? I mean, it's Michael. I mean, what do you expect? <laughs> something has to go right. Right. Something has to go wrong. And they laugh. It, he, he takes it in stride. He doesn't think of it as a disaster. It's just like, this, this is the way it is. This is us. And so they laugh and he proposes with Holly Flax marrying me. Will you be? <laughs> and she responds with your wife becoming be will I. <laughs> <laughs> and they kiss and everyone comes in and they cheer. And it is such a joyful moment. I love how everybody is so on board for this. Everybody is so excited for Michael, especially because they've seen his journey along with us. And I mean, even just a couple episodes ago with PDA, nobody was against Michael and Holly being together. They were just against the gross stuff they were doing together in the office. Everybody loves Michael and Holly together because they're perfect for each other. So this is just a beautiful moment. Everybody's drenched and everybody's laughing and hugging and cheering and it's awesome. And then Michael says that Holly has to go to Colorado and that he's going with her. He's leaving. Everyone's shocked. Everyone is much less happy than they were a moment ago. And it is such a big deal because just like Holly was willing to, I don't say this lightly, drop her parents in favor of spending her life with Michael in Scranton since she figured at the time that he didn't want to move to Colorado with her. Michael is willing to drop everything now, everything he loves about Dunder Mifflin, the people, the business, the work, whatever it is, everything he's loved about Dunder Mifflin, he's really willing to leave it behind now because he's going to be spending the rest of his life with Holly. And that's what Michael has been pursuing from the very beginning, from season two, when he met Carol and was looking for a condo where he could build a family with his future wife. It, it is so wonderful that Michael is just like, she said yes, so I'm saying yes to her and I'm, I'm leaving this all behind because I've got what I wanted. Yeah, we've seen in just the last few episodes of, of, of their relationship, really, that he has started to change his sense of identity, his sense of home, his sense of family. And it's all pointing to Holly. It's all, yeah, the office is great. They're my best friends, but they are not my family. 
And for the longest time, for six seasons, for six and a half seasons, that was what it was. The Office was his family. And we've seen a dramatic switch to now Holly's my family and I go where she goes. She has to go home. I have to go with her. And he didn't even seem to think that he could do anything else. That was his only option. Holly's going. I'm going too. And that was such a, I don't know. It's like he's all grown up now. It's just, <laughs> it's just so proud. <laughs> That's what's so profound about the two of them in this episode is that they both realize that they can't do the long distance thing together. I think both of them are too close to one another. And Holly was willing at first to leave her parents in Colorado and stay with Michael because she's the one who initiated the breakup back in employee transfer at the beginning of season five. It was, again, I don't say this like with any antagonism or anything. It was her fault that they split up. Well, no, I don't want to say that either. She broke up with him. I mean... Yeah, long distance didn't work for them. And it it, it just, they, they didn't make an effort at it. If they had made an effort at it, who knows what, what would have happened. But the fact is, it was long distance that tore them apart in the first place. And so now... They're not going to let that happen again. Holly is dedicated to this relationship. She's she's going to stay with Michael. And so if that means leaving her parents in Colorado, then she's going to do it because she loves Michael and wants to spend her life with him. But likewise for Michael, he understands the importance of Holly's family and he understands the importance of them not spending their time apart from each other anymore. And so he's like drop of a hat. I'm going to Colorado. There's no hesitation. It's it's beautiful. And that means no more Michael Scott at Dunder Mifflin Scranton. Chief Carell is leaving the show. And if you're mm -hmm. watching the show for the first time with us, uh, stick with it. I know it's like crazy and huge, um, but it's it's still The Office. It's still the show we love, but I know it's such a huge bummer. And Steve Carell's one of my favorite actors. So it's a fairly emotional like thing, which is a weird thing to say, but it's he's such a huge part of the show and he's sort of the heart of the show and so it's it's a big huge switch mm -hmm. now we do have a few more episodes left with michael it's not like he's gone now right. and goodbye michael uh, period straight right now we, we still have a few more to enjoy him but i mean I'll, I'll be honest a big part of why i wanted to start this podcast was because i want to talk about seasons eight and nine because they don't get enough love uh, yeah. so we can look forward to that as we progress but for now, let's talk about the rest of what's happening in this episode. There's not a whole lot of extra story, uh, but there is the plot line with Andy, Daryl, and Kevin playing Dallas. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I actually just had all of this in funny moments because it's pretty well, yeah. funny. Um, um, yeah. <laughs> but we should, let's go ahead and it's, it's good too. So in the garage sale, Kevin is selling the board game Dallas. Andy's impressed that he owns this game. Kevin gets his prepositions mixed up. He says, yeah, they missed a connecting flight, so they were on Dallas all day. One time they were on Hawaii. Kevin was on heaven. <laughs> but <laughs> yes, he does own the Dallas board game. So they have most of the game. They don't have the instructions, however. So Andy, Kevin, and Daryl attempt to play the board game without these instructions. They're kind of making up all the rules since, again, they don't know the rules. But they're also betting on the game with money, so it's a disaster and Kevin cannot deal. Kevin ended up blaming the other two guys for stolen money, but really all along it was Kevin that stole the money. He told them that he's never playing with them again. He hates them. He hates this game. He storms out. Then we get a talking uh, 
a talking head with Kevin. He says, and that's Dallas. (laughs) (laughs) Just thievery and... (laughs) Yeah, this this whole thing is so nonsensical and amazing. Uh, it's more of Andy and Daryl having fun together. Because the rules are missing, they just made them up as they went, you know? And yeah. there's even cards from other games that are in the box. And so they're using them because that's Dallas. They're in the game. <laughs> Andy says, we must honorably adhere to the rules that we are making up on the spot. <laughs> but of course, again, they're betting on it. That's just yeah. chaotic. <laughs> yeah, I don't know, like how to win a game with no rules because then you could just make a rule in which you win, you win by losing. I don't like they could, there's, there's no rules. That's Dallas. <laughs> That's Dallas. <laughs> okay. Going into more funny moments. There is the cold open, which isn't much of a cold. It's not a proper cold open because it relates to the rest of this, uh, the episode. We get a glimpse around the garage sale. Oscar is selling several seasons of Will and Grace. Pam walks up and says, oh, or I guess you're a big fan. He says, no. And he feels the need to explain himself. Everybody always assumes I am. <laughs> they give it to him as gifts because Will and Grace was popular uh, and famous in the 90s for sort of normalizing gay culture in uh, the public eye. And so Oscar's gay, so he must like Will and Grace. He must. There is this whole thread for Dwight throughout the entire episode here where he plans to trade his way from a thumbtack which he has to the most valuable item at the sale he has no money he does not want to spend any money he's going to simply trade so this is his course of action here so he trades the thumbtack for Meredith's used candle the candle for Kelly's book collection Helen Fielding and Jennifer Weiner It's at this point that Dwight goes over to Jim's table. He has a small packet of something called Professor Copperfield's Miracle Legumes. Dwight asks what they are, and Jim apologizes. Sorry, those shouldn't be out on the table. I was in Jamaica, and I got lost, and a man with a cart sold me these these legumes. He told me all these things about me that there was no way he could know, and then he disappeared into thin air. Dwight laughed that Jim would want to sell him these, but Jim very soberly says, I do not want to sell these to you. (laughs) These are not for sale. So they have resurfaced at some point during the day and Jim destroys them. They keep popping up. We go back to the trade. Dwight has traded Kelly's books for Phyllis's plastic lobster, a plastic lobster for Oscar's umbrella, for Stanley's photo album, for Ryan's pesto, which we'll get to in a second, for Creed's harmonica, for Quote, a very cute squid that Aaron happened to have. (laughs) Next, we see that he's carrying a telescope. So we kind of miss that. We get a little bit of it in the deleted scenes. He passes Jim. He sees that the destroyed legumes are back on Jim's table. He's kind of shocked. And he tells Jim, okay, fine, I'll take them, even though they're probably worthless. And Jim tells him to leave the telescope. He did it. And as soon as he did it, he feels duped. He feels like, (laughs) I I got cheated somehow. (laughs) Uh, And at the end, we see him watering five pots, which contain the legumes. And as soon as he turns his back, Jim rounds the corner with five identical pots, but they now contain full-grown plants, (laughs) and he swaps them out. (laughs) Long, funny moment, but it's a great... (laughs) Yeah, this is probably Jim's most expensive, one of his most expensive pranks, uh, just because it involves the the many packets of beans I'm sure he went through, or legumes, excuse me, (laughs) and then the the purchase of the, the five trees or plants or whatever they are a lot of effort went into this i would still have to say that the telephone pole computer wire one was probably more effort 
because yeah, probably he had more effort to climb. Yeah, <laughs> telephone so poles. I got up there cheaper. <laughs> yeah. Dwight does a countdown until the garage sale officially begins, as if he expects people to be like waiting right outside the door to rush in. And so he opens a door, and no one's there, and it's like February. And so everyone's suddenly aware of how very cold it is outside in Scranton, Pennsylvania in the wintertime. And so they ask Dwight to close the door. And he says, no, it's good that it's cold outside. The cold will drive people inside. And also the warmth of the inside will lure people inside. But I mean, you can't really have both. If the door is open, it's going to be cold inside. So, I mean, you're, you're, you're ruining your own logic here, Dwight. I thought we should go over some more Michael proposal ideas, some of his mm-hmm. bad ones. So, of course, we had the flames in the parking lot. We had one where he planned to throw a corpse dressed like himself off the roof. It hits the ground. The head pops off. And that leads Michael to say the line, I lost my head when I fell in love with you. He says, it's easy enough to get a corpse. You just go to a med school. And that's where he pulls out the ring. I already have the ring. <laughs> <laughs> somehow buying or stealing or bribing a med student to find you a corpse seems super wrong and illegal but yeah let's use it when asking to marry someone that sounds great we cut to the conversation in the conference room with the the ppc and pam says okay i think animals in proposals are out right ryan didn't you read in one of your blogs that animals are out and ryan says blogs are out but people are texting each other, no more animals. <laughs> no more animals. <laughs> okay, Ryan, thank you for your input. And then Mike, Michael goes into the corpse idea. Yeah. Pam and Jim tell Michael <laughs> about Jim's proposal to her. She says, you know, it was perfect. He, they said, you know, it was at a gas station. It was in the rain. And Michael is less than impressed by this. He says, that must have been a surprise when at the gas station you proposed. Oh, you didn't mention the weather was bad, too. That sounds perfect. (laughs) He's trying so hard not to be rude about it. (laughs) But uh, it's not really communicating very well. It's not his style, that proposal. He wants something (laughs) big and flashy and and dramatic. And I think the symbolism of the gas station halfway between New York and Pennsylvania was lost on Michael. That's not (laughs) good Mm -hmm. enough. Michael to Holly, he says... Get this. Kevin thought I was going to sell my Bowflex for $200, and I told him, dude, this was a prop in my movie, which of course we saw in Threat Level Midnight when Michael Skarn is pumping iron and getting fit at the gym, which of course there were no weights hooked up to the Bowflex, so he's just wagging cords around. So it has huge sentimental value to him because it was in in, uh, his, his film. Well, also it was a prop in a movie, so I mean, it's a big deal. Right. It's it's famous. It's a famous Bowflex. Everybody is trying to sort of help Michael do the correct kind of proposal. And then Holly tries to propose to him and he cuts her off. And so that's when he has his talking head about, no, I'm not going to be proposed to in the break room. That's not going to be our story. And then he has the the very quotable, very gifable moment. Should have burned this place down when I had the chance. (laughs) He, he, He wish he had just stuck with his initial plan. And at least he was honest with himself. He would have burned the place down. Because at least it would be big and dramatic. <laughs> and then about the garage sale again, he and Holly seem to not understand how a garage sale is supposed to work. It's not that at the end of the day, you should still have all your stuff. That's, <laughs> it's not like golf where the lowest score wins. That's not 
how this works. He asks Holly, hey, how do we do? She says, $13. He goes, that's great. We sell the most of our stuff too. Good. (laughs) Just a quick thing. The herpes duplex (laughs) that he thought he had back in sex ed, uh, you mentioned this. It it was a lie. It wasn't true. Uh, It was just an ingrown hair. So I just wanted to follow up on that. It was an ingrown hair that Michael had at the corner of his mouth. And then uh, when everybody proposes to Holly, he has his own little comments that he adds in between each proposal. Jim starts, then it's Stanley. And Michael's response to that is, that guy's got more than he can handle as it is, in reference to Stanley's affair. Oscar says, will you marry me? She says, no. Michael says, that marriage would be a sham because he's gay. So yeah, yeah, sure, it'd be a sham. (laughs) Gabe asks, will you marry me? And Michael says, easy no. (laughs) And then Angela proposes. Michael says, that would be hot. I would pay to see that. (laughs) And then Ryan is the last one. Will you marry me, Holly? No. And he says, only one that I was kind of worried about. (laughs) I don't think anybody else would have been worried about that. I think Michael just still has that that little guy crush on Ryan. Uh, He thinks he's super attractive or whatever and thought that, oh, maybe she'll go with the more attractive guy. And he's just so cool. (laughs) Mm -hmm, So cool. Speaking of Ryan, his pesto. So... (laughs) For the garage sale, I guess he doesn't have any stuff he's trying to get rid of, so he makes this pesto, or rather his mom makes this pesto, and it's the best pesto in the world, he says, and he's always told her that she should sell this, that she'd make a fortune. She always says, no, it's just for family. So he was like, F it, I'll sell it. (laughs) So he bottles up all this pesto. Well, first he tells his mom, I'm having a pesto party, so I need you to make a bunch of pesto. And he goes, a pesto party? Really? Come on. So she makes all this pesto, he bottles it up, and slaps Phyllis's face on it, and calls it Mama Sally's Pesto. Mm. Not even Phyllis's name, Mama nope. Sally. And Phyllis just had that mom look I wanted. And then he slapped <laughs> kosher on there, too, and Dwight asks, wait, you got this kosher certified? He said, no, no, it's, it's, it's like, it's cool, it's kosher, it's all good. <laughs> <laughs> and then later, Oscar walks up, and... Ryan is also selling another product. It's salsa. Ryan says, my mom also makes the best salsa. And Oscar just asks, "Where, Ryan, where did you get this picture? Because Ryan has affixed a picture of Oscar to the salsa uh, because Mexican. And it's titled Senor Chico's Hot Cha-Cha. Hot Cha-Cha. <laughs> a smaller thing that doesn't have anything to do with the garage sale itself. Pam goes to Hank's in the lobby to get coffee. She gets two coffees and then she gets distracted and then she turns back to Hank and says, uh, which one of these was decaf? And he has no idea. And so with this look on his face, like, uh, I am so tired of being here. He takes the coffee and presumably goes and fills up two new ones. I think that was actually all I had. Yeah. The last one I had mentioned was just like this super duper small thing. Meredith is selling jeans at her stand and the sign says $10. You wash them. So that's right. I don't think she sold any jeans that day. You washed. I'm not gonna. We get a few deleted scenes. We see that Jim and Pam finally got that painting that was apparently crucial to the structural integrity of their house. They got it off the wall (laughs) of that that ugly clown painting and they're selling it at the garage sale. Mm -hmm. You can see it in the actual episode, but they acknowledge it in the deleted scenes. Stanley was the one selling the telescope. He was asking for $150 for it. 
He's trying to hype up his telescope and he says, it gives you a real good look at the moon and it's not made of cheese. <laughs> and Dwight says, you know, I don't need a telescope because I have a pie. <laughs> he shows it to Stanley and Stanley just like licks his lip and he gives in very easily. He, he definitely wants the pie more than the $150 telescope. That's immediate gratification if I've ever seen because a pie. Okay, go spend 10 or 20 bucks if you want a really good pie. And then you still have, I don't know, Stanley. Yeah. Self-control. <laughs> Kevin has an intricate train set titled the Mountain Hamlet of Mitterschnell, which he's selling for $200. So maybe he's a, a train guy and we never knew. I guess. Uh, Aaron and Phyllis are both selling the same spice rack tower. Aaron is really amused by it. And she says, it looks like we're in the spice district. We're taking a ride on Spice Mountain. And Phyllis is just like, yeah. And she, she is not interested at all not in Aaron's companionship in this matter. So Gabe is upstairs at reception during the entirety of the garage sale, answering phones, doing Aaron's job. He says, I've been demoted. Just joking. I'm holding down the fort. Aaron's job is so easy. Which rude rude uh and he delivers holly's mail with a little flare he says your mail sealed with a kiss my own personal touch and he's attached to hershey's hershey's kiss to the the mail he says okay job done okay gabe don't sass your girlfriend like that That's no not... not at all bad idea and michael calls a sky artist like somebody who flies a plane to write messages in the sky that was one of his proposal ideas and the the guy on the phone says, well, it's cloudy, so we can't do it. And Michael just doesn't understand this. He says, isn't white the perfect background? No, not when your message is white as well. You, you sort of need the blue canvas for the white to contrast against it, Michael. Though I appreciate that this one was not dangerous. <laughs> no, well, for him. <laughs> not, not for him. <laughs> the pilots are hopefully professionals. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Michael takes a poll, thoughts on the corpse idea, and everyone rejects it. Michael suggests Paula Poundstone. He suggests throwing Paula Poundstone off the roof and somehow work it into the discussion about proposing. It's all just very... He's just throwing out ideas now, clearly, mm -hmm. and, and Jim just stops him before he gets any further. Paula Poundstone had been mentioned before in the Ultimatum episode. I think it was, uh, it was in one of the boxes that Michael had prepared uh, in case Holly had come back single. And Paula Poundstone is her favorite comedian. So that's what that there is in reference to. Pam has a talking head that, you know, it's probably none of our business, Michael's proposal. It's none of our business. But he tried to burn down the building. <laughs> and uh, she did have the line in the episode that we didn't mention earlier where she says, I've always thought that we should be very involved in each other's personal lives, <laughs> which is a Michael thing to say. But because it's a Michael thing to say, she says it to get on Michael's side. Yeah. And the conference room, their brainstorming more ideas. The whiteboard behind them says, camping trip, great dinner at home, great dinner out, romantic picnic, sunset, romantic cruise. So these are all less dangerous, more attainable proposal ideas. And Michael's not interested in any of them. Nope. You can tell by the look on his face, like, this, this isn't going to work. Boring. Um, I don't have a discussion topic. I forgot to come up with one. Do you have any ideas, or do we just want to skip uh, it? I don't, we don't need to linger on it. If No, let's just skip it. We've already been talking. And that's it. 
that is Garage Sale. It's a big episode. A lot of things happened, or at least one very big specific thing happened. And it's something we've been anxiously waiting for for a long time. And we can finally talk about it. I mean, I think everybody pretty much knew Steve Carell was not in the show the entirety of the show's run. Uh, but, I mean, we didn't want to ruin it for everybody. So, surprise. <laughs> I know um, I have a couple of listeners that are watching it through for the mm-hmm. first time. So, there's probably support groups out there, you know. Just <laughs> it's uh, No, it's, it's, it's a big change, but lots still to look forward to in the show. Yeah, stick with us because we're going to have lots of good things to say when Michael is gone. Like I said, for now, we still have a few more episodes with him, so we'll enjoy it while it lasts. And with that, that is the end of the official 78th episode of An American Workplace. Contact for the show, facebook.com slash workplacepod and at workplacepod on Twitter. Please go over to Apple Podcasts and rate and review and subscribe to us. We haven't gotten any reviews in a couple of weeks or so, so we're anxious to give a few more shout outs on the show. You got to go over to Apple Podcasts to do that. If you have any feedback or ideas, you can email us at workplacepod at gmail.com. And again, no voicemails this week either. If you would like to leave us a voicemail, you can dial 93-PRETZ-DAY, that is P-R-E-T-Z-D-A-Y, or 937-738-9329. And if you're international, plus one is the uh, international code for the U.S. So, yeah, leave us a voicemail. And if you want want to be featured on the show, keep it to about a minute or less. Be specific and let us know if you don't want to hear yourself on the show. You can find me on Twitter at ktlady623 or at facebook.com slash katie.white. And the best place for me is at chadadada on Twitter. Also, facebook.com slash chad.hopkins and my other podcast, Cinescope, which you can find wherever podcasts can be found and at thecinescopepodcast.com. And all show notes and contact information for this show can be found at workplacepodcast.com. If you want a shout out and more of an American workplace each week, including access to our discussion outline, notes, a logo sticker, bonus episodes, and live streams, check out our Patreon page and pick the support level you think is worth it to you at patreon.com slash workplace pod. And that's all for this week. Thank you for joining us to watch one of our favorite shows, The Office, here on episode 78 of An American Workplace. Make sure to join us in episode 79 for our discussion on the next two episodes of season seven, Training Day and Michael's Last Dundies. Bye. Bye.